Good morning, church family. I'm glad to be able to preach to you on this Sunday morning and bring you a word of the Lord from John chapter 20, verses 24 and 25. Once again, that's John chapter 20, verses 24 and 25. I want to be honest and transparent with you all. I've preached this text before. However, because of the current state that our world is in, that our country is in, that our nation is in, brothers and sisters, I feel as though this passage of scripture is quite applicable to what we're dealing with in today's time. There's a specific topic that I want to address called healing that I think will be exposed in this aspect of the text when we look at Doubting Thomas and his relationship and interaction with the disciples and with uh, Jesus. So therefore, indulge me, if you will, for this reading this passage of scripture again and preaching this text again. I'm not going to preach it the same way. I'm going to preach it a different way. But I'm coming from John chapter 20, verses 24 and 25. And remember, John, the book of John, is a gospel. And gospel means what? You got it right. Good news. Here we go. The Bible says, But Thomas, who was called twin, in Greek that's also known as Didymus, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hand and put my fingers in the mark of the nail and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Brothers and sisters, last time we focused on belief when I preached this text. However, this time we're going to focus on healing. And healing is a topic that is also or oftentimes overlooked misconstrued and all that we deal with and go through we try to move past healing and get straight to being on the other side of healing which is the feeling good part not realizing that the healing piece is essential to us truly learning how to be in deep relationship with God and learning how to be where we need to be as far as fully recovering from the past to move forward in our future most recently I'm so glad to say in the presidential inauguration, we heard a very presidential once candidate, now president, say that to heal, we must remember. And brothers and sisters, those words I hope didn't fall on deaf ears when that came out in the inauguration address, that, that our president, President Joe Biden, said to heal, we must remember. But brothers and sisters, when we think about that concept and when we hear that concept, we take it for granted because typically there are two types of people in this world when it comes to healing. You see, you have the people that try to forget to move on. And then you have the people that hold on but won't move on. Let me say that again. I said you have the people that try to forget to move on. And then you have the people that hold on and won't move on. You see, unfortunately, neither one of these methods leads to healing. You see, the first method is deceptive. It creates an illusion that you are okay until you encounter a situation or encounter a person that triggers the pain, causing you to relapse back into that place of sadness or depression, back to that place where that wound is really open because it's never fully healed to be closed. Brothers and sisters, you also have the second method, 
which is misleading. These are the people that will hold on but won't move on. This is misleading because it gives the false impression that you are strong for not letting go of the past. I'm coming down somebody's street and turning into their driveway this morning because some of us find ourselves in one or two of these predicaments. Some of us go back and forth between the two. Some of us are those types of people that will try to forget to move on. And some of us are the type of person that will hold on and won't move on. We'll see periodically throughout our lives. You'll see periodically throughout your personal life where you've been one more so than the other, where you might have even been both. But brothers and sisters, neither one of these methods leads to true healing. Neither one of these methods really takes away the pain. You see, both of these methods pacify us to the point of which healing becomes a goal that is further and further away. We just try to find methods in which I've described to help us cope with the pain. And, 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 and brothers and sisters, I know you're wondering, what, what, what pain are you talking about? Brothers and sisters, I know you're probably wondering, what are you talking about that we need healing from? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I would be remiss and you should be remiss if you think that all that we've gone through in 2020 isn't traumatic enough to need healing from. If you think that all that we experienced under the previous presidential administration isn't something we need healing from. Brothers and sisters, we need healing from those experiences. You see, I fear that in our rush to move into 2021, that in our rush to, to, to inaugurate and to have a new president, that we found ourselves in two categories. Two categories, one being trying to forget what we've just gone through to move forward into something new, or we fall in the category of holding on to the past so long that we can't move forward in our future. Brothers and sisters, we've experienced a lot very recently. And you see, when you go through something as traumatic as what we've experienced, we can have the tendency to fall in these two categories. Need I remind you that we've gone or we're going through a pandemic that has claimed the lives of over 400,000 Americans today. We've lost more people in this pandemic than most of our wars put together across the world. Brothers and sisters, this is quite traumatic. It's quite traumatic when you think about all of the race riots that we had when in every state in the United States there was some form of protest where people were in the streets protesting, breaking down um, shopping centers, tearing down the uh, walls of Congress, that pe people were doing all sorts of things in the street. And you had to have the National Guard come in and protect the state capitol buildings, brothers and sisters. We've gone through a lot. And sometimes after experiencing the trauma, we experience your mind and your body as a sense of coping. To just try to forget, to move past it, can just try to forget 
to overlook it, to, to, to get to something that feels better, that looks good. Brothers and sisters, when we think about the rhetoric of the previous administration, such rhetoric of hate, such rhetoric of consternation, such rhetoric of negativity, we can find ourselves just reaching and grasping for some aspect of positivity, reaching and grasping for some aspect of hope to the point of which we overlook some things and forget some things in our past. Ah, but brothers and sisters, we also find the adverse method, the opposite method of those you see that are holding on. Holding on to the old way, holding on to white supremacy, holding on to the old South, holding on to the old ideas that don't like this liberal point of view that don't like all of this inclusiveness and this diversity that they're seeing as it comes to the diverse races that we're seeing in the White House, the diverse genders that we're seeing in the White House. And you can see in the breakdown and in the protests and in the vandalization of our Congress and the vandalization of what we saw of the American people tearing down our structures, which, 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 which were the foundation of our country, our buildings, you can see that some folks are holding on. Some folks are still holding on to the old way and old ideals and won't let them go. Brothers and sisters, we are in the very pages in this day and age of the historical textbook. That we're in the pages where 10, 15, or 20 years from now, your children and your children's children will ask you, what did you do during the pandemic? What did you do while protesters were storming the halls of Congress? What did you do while people were rioting in the street? What did it feel like? What was it like? The same way when people asked about the Great Depression, the same way when people asked, where were you when John F. Kennedy was shot? Where were you when Martin Luther King was shot? Where were you when all of these traumatic things happened, such as the Twin Towers? Where were you? Brothers and sisters, we have the tendency to overlook sometimes while we're going through it, the severity of traumatic experiences. But brothers and sisters, I'm here to remind you that you can never truly reach healing running from your past. You can never truly reach healing holding on so tight to the pain that you can't move forward in your future. You see, brothers and sisters, this reminds me of a scar. Or brothers and sisters, I should say not a scar, but this reminds me of an open wound that that, 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 that when you cut yourself or, or, or when you find yourself bleeding, two things can happen. I used to have this experience happen to me all the time as a child. That either you can tend to the wound by putting a band-aid on it, right? And that'll help it heal. If you put that band-aid on it and, and, and let the work of the alcohol and neosporin and the band-aid allow that wound to heal. Or... You can do two things that stop it from healing. These are things I used to do all the time as a child. You can either not tend to the, the wound, which might lead to infection, which creates another problem. Or once the wound scabs over, you can keep picking at the scab. Yes, I was one of those children that would keep picking at the scab and I wouldn't let that wound go. I would keep picking at it. I would keep digging at it because I, I would find it so interesting that skin 
could, 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 could create something over it to protect itself. But brothers and sisters, when you keep picking at the pain, the pain never fully goes away. When you keep picking at the pain, it never really heals. And brothers and sisters, you find yourself in a place where the wound never truly is able to heal. If you just leave it open and don't tend to it, or if you pick at the pain too much and it's not able to truly do what it needs to do so that it can be fit for you to move forward in your life. Brothers and sisters, in our personal lives, even down to the context of our skin and how we feel pain on our physical bodies, our spiritual bodies can also experience the same level of hurt in an open wound. And brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to parallel or get you to see is the same way that we handle things in our political structure, the same way we handle things in our external world, the same way sometimes children can handle cuts and things that they've dealt with on their physical body. You can find yourself handling things the same way in your personal and spiritual life. Hmm? Meditate on that for a moment. In the same way that we try to rush to some point of normalcy, overlooking and trying to forget what we felt in our hardship, we can find ourselves rushing to forget. Or the way we're trying to hold on to the past so much that we don't forget it, we are not fully moving forward with our future. And brothers and sisters, what that helps us realize and what we should be reminded of is what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, that you can cast all your concerns on him. Him is God. Because God cares for you. Brothers and sisters, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29 tells us, Come to me all those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. Brothers and sisters, healing can be defined as the process of being restored to a positive physical, mental, or spiritual condition. I said healing can be defined or should be defined. As a process of being restored to a positive physical, mental, or spiritual condition. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you can't truly be healed running from your past. You can't truly be healed and you'll never be healed holding on to the past so much so that you can never see what God has for you in your future. Brothers and sisters, you will only heal through acknowledging your pain and releasing it to God. That's the point of this sermon today. You didn't catch it. That's our message today, brothers and sisters, that you will only receive healing through acknowledging the pain and releasing it to God. In our text today, we find Thomas, who we have heard called Doubting Thomas. In our text today, we find Thomas, and Thomas falls in our second category of healing methods. See, Thomas is at a place where he's holding on 
And he's not letting go of the pain. He's, he's holding on and he's frustrated by what's taking place by Jesus on the cross. He's, he's holding on. And he's isolated himself and he's not even with the disciples. Brothers and sisters, Thomas is holding on. You see, instead of Thomas being interpreted and, and being left at the point of doubting, you see, Thomas's action should be interpreted as a response to the cross. You see, brothers and sisters, there's no lack of belief in God's ability in Thomas, but Thomas is holding on to the memories he's had with Jesus. Thomas is holding on to the point that it's hard for him to move forward with the knowledge that Jesus has now resurrected. He's still dealing with the fact that his Savior has been crucified. He's still dealing with the fact and the hurt of the pain of his Savior not being the same way he used to be. So we find Thomas in the text in need of healing but it's shrouded by frustration it's shrouded by anger it's shrouded by sadness and brothers and sisters sometimes we can find ourselves in this predicament where we shroud a necessity for healing with anger where we cover up the necessity for love with anger, where we cover up the necessity to have the very things that we're entitled to have as children of God with negativity. And you see in the text here that Thomas has covered up this necessity for healing and relationship with Jesus under the guise of doubt. You know Thomas. Thomas is one of the 12 disciples. You know Thomas. Thomas is actually and technically the brother of Jesus. You may not know this about Thomas, but as I read to you in the text, it said Thomas, who was also called twin. Some translations say Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means twin. And theological scholars speculate and have documented that Thomas was the twin of Jesus. Come on, somebody. That, 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 that's something you may not get in your everyday Bible study. That's something you may not find in, 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 in your typical class, brothers and sisters. When we do research on Thomas, Thomas had a deep, intimate relationship with his brother. Thomas said in John chapter 11, verse 16, he said, to the rest of the disciples, let us go so that we may die with him. You may be wondering where that text comes from, but it comes from the fact that when Jesus was going to heal Lazarus, Lazarus was in a place where the Pharisees were plotting to kill Jesus. And Jesus tells the disciples that I have to go and I have to go heal Lazarus, or, or really, he says at that time, wake him up. Although Lazarus was perceived as dead, and the disciples warned him, there are people that are trying to kill you there. And he's like, it's not my hour, it's not my time, don't worry about that. And the disciples are afraid. They're like, I, I don't know, Jesus, there's people trying to kill you there. But Thomas is the only one that's not afraid, but says, let us go with him so that we may die 
with him. That speaks to belief. That speaks to faith. That speaks to a doubting Thomas with an innate and intimate relationship with his Savior. Brothers and sisters, you can see how the brother of Jesus, Thomas, isn't one that's just going to let his brother go into danger or harm's way without going with him. Brothers and sisters, in John chapter 14, verse 5, Thomas says to his brother Jesus, he says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How then can we know the way? Pastor, what are you talking about? That's the same scripture that says in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would not have told you when I go to prepare a place for you. And Thomas says, well, we want to go too. We want to be with you. So therefore you see this relationship between Thomas and Jesus that he's always trying to be there with his brother and for his brother. And he says to Jesus, Lord, we do not know the way to where you are going. How then can we get there? And Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. And those that want to get to the Father first have to come through me. Brothers and sisters, Thomas has a deep relationship. Therefore, Thomas has taken it personal that his brother is crucified. Thomas has taken it personal that his brother has gone to see the other disciples and not him. And we find Thomas here in the text doubting the relationship that the other disciples that Peter is telling him that Jesus has with them, but not with him. Pastor, I need you to make that plain. All right, here we go. Watch this. Let me give you the backstory. Jesus has just been crucified. Jesus has died. Jesus's body has been left in the tomb. But brothers and sisters, although he was left in the tomb, you know the story. He didn't stay there. And Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb to go see her Savior, to go to, 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 to just to try to see his body. And when she gets there, she sees the linen cloth. She sees the clothing he was wrapped in. However, she sees nobody. And she rushes into the tomb and, and she's looking around to find her Savior and she doesn't see him there. But then two angels appear and they ask her where well, what she's looking for. And she's like, where is Jesus? What's happened to his body? And then there's a figure standing behind her who is Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. And brothers and sisters, he calls out to her, asks her what's wrong, and, and she lets him know that he, she's looking for her Jesus. And brothers and sisters, the text tells us that Jesus calls her by name. And it's when he calls her by name that she recognizes it is her Savior. And she calls him Rabboni, which in Aramaic means rabbi or teacher, brothers and sisters. And you see, in her moment of healing, in her moment of pain, she receives healing by looking for an encounter with her Savior. Brothers and sisters, it is innate for us to always search for healing through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, we find Mary now in the text in community with her Savior. She rushes to go and hug him, but he said, hold up, don't touch me yet. 
I haven't ascended to the Father, and therefore I can't be touched. So, so he says, go back and tell my brothers. Go back and tell the disciples. So Mary does just that. She runs back, and she tells the other disciples. And the disciples are struggling with this understanding that Jesus has resurrected and that she sees Jesus. And they're, they're struggling with this, and the text tells us that they're in the upper room. Somebody remembers those handouts and remembers those tracts people used to hand out with the daily devotionals. Jesus, or I should say the disciples, were in the upper room and they were behind the locked door. And it's amazing, brothers and sisters, that despite the locked door, Jesus shows up. And he comes through the locked door in the text. And when he comes through the locked door in the text, the first thing he says is, peace be with you. The first thing he does is acknowledge their pain. The first thing he does is say, I come to bring you peace in your sorrow. I come to bring healing in the midst of your distress. He says, peace be with you. And all the disciples are in awe at the fact that the man that they saw crucified on the cross is now standing in front of them between them and a locked door. And brothers and sisters, this is very symbolic of when we receive pain. This is very symbolic of when we feel pain or go through a traumatic experience that we isolate ourselves between locked doors of emotion, that we isolate ourselves between locked doors of depression, that we isolate ourselves between locked doors of anger, that we isolate ourselves between locked doors of sadness. But Jesus comes through the locked door and grants peace. That's why I go back to the fact that in order to get to healing, you must acknowledge the pain and give it to God. Because it's only through giving the pain to God that you can re receive the healing that you're searching for. And brothers and sisters, Jesus is standing between the disciples and the locked door, offering them peace. However, at this point in time, all the disciples are there except Thomas. And the disciples go back and they tell Thomas that they've seen Jesus, that Jesus has come to them. And Jesus has revealed himself, himself to them, that Jesus has resurrected from the dead. And Thomas is like, no, 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 that ain't my Jesus now. I don't know who you saw or what you saw, but there's no way that Jesus would reveal himself to you and not reveal himself to me. Brothers and sisters, Thomas was mourning in his own way. Thomas was a type that mourned in isolation. Thomas wasn't with the group. Thomas was by himself mourning. And to add further injury to frustration and pain, he finds out that Jesus has revealed himself to the others and not him. So the doubting comes in place of not of Jesus' ability to resurrect. The doubting is in place of Jesus's relationship with him and brothers and sisters we need to be more like Thomas when we challenge our relationship with God by saying Lord I know what you've done in somebody else's life but I need you to show up in my life Lord I know you've been there for other people and their pain but I need you to show up in the midst of my pain Lord that's not good enough for me to hear it in the midst of somebody else's struggle I need to see you for myself Brothers and sisters, we find Thomas in, this, in the text 
begging for a deeper relationship with God. We see Thomas in the text challenging the fact that Jesus showed up for you and didn't show up for me. No, that ain't my God. No, I won't believe until he shows up for me. No, I won't believe until I see the pain that he's felt that can speak to the pain that I feel. No, I won't believe it until I feel it and see it for myself. And some of us need to reach a point in our relationship with God where we say, Lord, I won't believe until I know you feel the pain that I feel. And brothers and sisters, what is deep about this and what we must take from this is this concept of honest communication. Thomas honestly wasn't honest enough, but we can surmise through reading between the lines that he is being transparent with his emotions best he can considering the current circumstances. That under the guise of disbelief, there is truly the want and desire from relationship. The brothers and sisters, honest communication is defined by being open and truthful and discussing our emotions about a situation. Once again, this is a learning point in the text that I need you to grasp where I'm saying honest communication is being open and truthful in discussing our emotions about a situation. That means that's not acting like it didn't happen or holding on to it like a grudge. That means both of those options of acting like it didn't happen to try to move on or holding on to the pain like a grudge or, or four grudges neither leads to healing but holds us hostage. And brothers and sisters, what is symbolic in the locked door of the text is the disciples were held hostage by their grief. The disciples were held hostage by their fear. And in the absence of Thomas, we see that Thomas was held hostage by the sadness of isolation and the sadness of the lack of relationship with his Savior. So brothers and sisters, this goes back to the fact that in order to receive healing, we must acknowledge the pain. In order to receive healing, we must communicate with our Lord and Savior by releasing it. In order to receive healing, we have to be transparent with ourselves and transparent with God. There was a girl I was dating at one time and I was talking to her on the phone and she was telling me about one of her family dynamics in her household that I thought was interesting that I never forgot. I was on the phone with her and she said, something that I know is toxic in my household that I really want to have different in my personal life when I have a family is the fact that when something goes wrong in our household, when somebody gets hurt by something someone else has said, when something tragic happens, we don't talk about it. We just get up and move on like it never happened. She said we don't talk about it either because the pain is too much to bear or we don't have the words. We just don't talk about it. 
And she said sometimes that can be really confusing. She said sometimes it can almost be unsettling to the point of which you begin wondering if it's normal because one of us, are a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, we could be, they could have cussed us out the night before, told us all, talked about everything that we were insecure about. Then the next day, we wake up, act like nothing ever happened. And that's something that we've learned to do to cope with the harsh reality of the trauma we felt in our family. Brothers and sisters, I would like to tell you that that's not the best course of action with dealing with pain. That's not the best course of action because she also told me that although they don't speak about it and they try to forget it, that all of them hold on to it. That they don't forget it. Although, although they act like it didn't happen, it did happen because it keeps replaying in their minds. And brothers and sisters, as it pertains to trauma and hurt, when we don't, when we're not honest with ourselves and when we do not communicate with our loved ones about the pain that they've caused us or about the pain that we've caused them. Brothers and sisters, you best believe somebody's holding grudges. You best believe. Somewhere in your spirit, you're holding grudges. Some of us are still holding grudges and resentment from our childhood. I read in Daniel Black's book called Perfect Peace. He wrote a quote in there. He said, a child's pain becomes an adult's resentment. And brothers and sisters, some of us as adults, as adults are acting out the grudges and resentments we held from unresolved trauma as children. And we keep this cycle going of not talking about it, not dealing with it, creating more trauma and more pain in other people's lives. Brothers and sisters, we have to do better. Brothers and sisters, we have to learn to acknowledge the pain. Give it to God so that God can release us from the bondage of that situation. So that we can get to the other side of healing. Now, conversely, I had another friend, one of my other friends. I talked about him before I called him and he told me he had to call me back because he was having a family meeting. And I said, a family meeting? What is that? Well, he said, in my family, if something goes wrong, if one of us, one of my siblings is upset with another sibling, if my dad is upset with my mom, if, if my mom's upset with one of us as her children, we have a family meeting and we'll all come together in the living room. Sometimes we'll all come together on a conference call on the phone and we will hash out whatever we're dealing with so that that moment of that situation doesn't tear apart our household. Brothers and sisters, as you can see, these are two different extremes. And I've witnessed from first-hand interaction with him and his family that there is this unity and sense of love that just permeates his household because they don't leave anything up to chance when someone's hurt. They don't leave anything up to, well, they'll, they'll be all right. They'll figure it out. No, they talk about it and they discuss it through honest communication. Let me go back and define that for you just in case you forgot. I said honest communication is being open and truthful and discussing our emotions about a situation. And brothers and sisters, I don't know who this is for on this Sunday, but it was on my heart 
talk about healing and to let you know that you'll never fully walk into your destiny. You'll never fully walk into your purpose if you don't get to the other side of healing. Brothers and sisters, the other side of healing isn't holding grudges. The other side of healing isn't holding on to the pain so much that we can't move forward. The other side of healing isn't forgetting what we've been through in order to move past it. The other side of healing is acknowledging the pain and releasing and giving it to God through honest communication with our peers, with ourselves, with each other, and with our Savior. The other side of healing is a place where we have moved on not holding on grudges. I'm going to say that again. Moved on not pretending we're okay. The other side of healing means we are physically, mentally, spiritually well enough to be used by God to then free someone else. That's why your testimony is so important that your testimony can be used to free somebody else from the locked door of emotional trauma. So that just like Jesus, you can step through that door wall they put up and say, peace be upon you, peace be with you, because I know you're hurting right now. But the same way I got through the other side of healing, the same way I got through the other side of the trauma which is healing, I charge you to take my hand and move to that other side with me. Brothers and sisters, going back to the text, what I want to point out is, after Thomas says this, after Thomas makes it clear what he won't believe and what he won't do until Jesus shows up, guess what Jesus does? Jesus shows up. Brothers and sisters, just like when Mary was looking for her Savior and she told the angels, where, where has he gone? And she could see, Jesus could see in her distress that she needed him, Jesus showed up for her. And brothers and sisters, Thomas is here in need of a Savior, even though the Savior, Jesus Christ, has already revealed himself to Mary and to the disciples already. He comes back again and shows up for Thomas. And brothers and sisters, I want to let you know, he'll show up for Mary. If he'll show up for the disciples, he'll show up for you. He'll show up for you in the midst of your locked door and grant you peace in the midst of your storm. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus comes through the locked door bringing peace. Brothers and sisters, Jesus doesn't only come through the locked door bringing peace to Thomas. He comes to the locked door, comes directly to Thomas and shows him his scars. He says, take your hand, put it in my hand. Take your hand, put it in my side. He says, I want you to know that I hurt too. I want you to know that I feel the pain too. Brothers and sisters, he's letting you know that when you hurt, I hurt. That when you feel pain, I feel pain. That you're not the only one going through this. That we all share the burden together. And it is central to our belief in God. To understand that we are not alone in the struggle. We're not alone in the midst of our pain. We're not alone in the midst of our heartache. We're not alone in the midst of the loss of loved ones. We're not alone in the midst of all that we feel by taking on the weight of the world. You're not alone. Because Jesus will show up for you between your locked door. Brothers and sisters, after he shows up for Thomas, he tells Thomas to stop doubting, but believe. 
we can interpret that or we should reinterpret that as stop hurting but be healed. The reason we should interpret it as that because after Thomas has this encounter with Jesus, he's no longer doubting anymore. After Thomas mends his relationship with his brother, he's no longer hurting anymore. After Thomas goes through this situation, he's no longer holding on like a grudge, not being combative with his friends, not hiding behind the locked door of isolation. Now Thomas is ready to be used. Brothers and sisters, Thomas could be used, couldn't be used by God until he reached the other side of healing. He couldn't be used pretending like he was okay. He couldn't be used holding on to grudges, meaning holding on to the fact that his Savior died, revealed himself to Mary and the other disciples, but not him. He couldn't be used. You see, Thomas's ministry began after healing took place, after acknowledging the pain and giving it to God. Pastor, what ministry and what mission did Thomas do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Brothers and sisters, Thomas, this doubting Thomas, is accredited for bringing the gospel to North Africa and to India. Many people don't know that, but if you look it up, it is Thomas who is accredited for bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to the Indians. And when I say Indians, I'm not talking about Native Americans, not, not, not in America. I'm talking about the, 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 the Indians on the other side of the map. And brothers and sisters, Thomas brings this gospel to him, to them rejuvenated with this fire of having had an encounter with his Savior. And what I charge you with on this Sunday morning is after you've gone through a traumatic experience, after you felt the pain, and after you've acknowledged it and given it to God, the other side of healing should charge you to have a testimony that inspires other people to believe too. It should it charge you and inspire you to walk different. It should charge you and inspire you to talk different. It should charge you and inspire you to live a completely different life than what you've lived before. Brothers and sister Thomas goes to his death spreading the gospel as the text says, or not the text in the Bible, but as scholars write in their synoptic texts of Thomas's life to the savages. That he's killed by them advocating for Jesus. Because he comes to their foreign lands, challenges their gods, and lets them know there's only one God that's King of kings and Lord of lords. There's only one God that can take your trauma and your hurt and transform it into healing. There's only one God. And Thomas does that, and he dies for his belief in God. Oh, Doubting Thomas isn't a doubter anymore. Doubting Thomas is transformed from hurt and pain to healing and advocacy for his Lord and Savior. Brothers and sisters, I want to leave you where I started with the knowledge that our president reminded us at his inaugural address that we can only heal through remembrance. One thing that stood out to me about that inauguration is the fact that the reporter 
that was reporting on this moment, momentous occasion said that President Joe Biden has a PhD in healing. And if there's anybody that can tell us how to get through what we've just experienced is, 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 is President Joe Biden. If there's anybody that understands pain and hurt is President Joe Biden. And, and he then begins to go through the fact that before President Biden was president, he was, a, he was a vice president. Before he was vice president, at one time he was a senator. And, 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 and brothers and sisters, when he first began his stint in politics, he went through something traumatic. That he lost his first wife and his daughter in a car accident. And not only did he lose his first wife and daughter in a car accident, brothers and sisters, years later in 2015, he loses his oldest son, Bo, to brain cancer. So brothers and sisters, Joe Biden knows about hurt. No, Joe Biden knows about pain. Joe Biden knows about struggle. So if anybody can tell you about healing and holding God on to God in the midst of calamity and hardship, it's President Joe Biden. And brothers and sisters, we see that after the 1972 car crash that took his wife and daughter, he goes on and is able to become vice president on the other side of healing. He didn't wallow in his pain. He didn't wallow in his sorrow and his loss. He was able to move on and get past it, not forgetting it, but honoring them through remembering them. He was able to move on and take that pain and allow it to push him to higher heights. Then brothers and sisters, after being vice president or while being vice president, his son died. His oldest son dies and he could have added that to the jar of pain and hurt and resentment to why God would do this to him. Why God would take his wife, take his daughter, take his son and, and, and just allow that to completely disrupt his faith and belief. But oh no, he holds on and, 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 and lets his words that he told us reign true in his personal life by saying he can only heal through honoring their memory and remembering. And I would make the claim that he realized he could only heal through acknowledging the pain and giving it to God. And brothers and sisters, he transitioned on the other side of healing and on the other side of death from being vice president. And now we know him as our president. President of the United States of America. And brothers and sisters, although he was addressing the nation, a nation that is in many cases divided and is, and is acknowledging the disparity between conservative and liberal and is acknowledging the disparity between the have and the have nots and is acknowledging the inequality in the racial or, or social injustice in this country and the hurt that we've received and the pain that we see on both ends. He said, don't forget it. He said, don't hold on to it like a judge. He says, like a grudge. He says, acknowledge it, brothers and sisters. He says, remember it, brothers and sisters. And what I'm adding to that is give it to God. So while this was a national address for our nation, this is a personal and spiritual address at this time for our souls. That the only way that we can move past trauma, move past calamity, move past hardship in our life is if we acknowledge the pain and give it to God so that God can come between the locked doors in our places. God can come between all the hurt 
in our lives. And God can grant us true healing. So brothers and sisters at this time, if you are hurting, if you want to get to the other side of healing and truly walking in your purpose, if you're tired of trying to act like the hurt didn't happen. If you're trying, if you're tired of trying to forget it all, to move on. If you're tired of holding on to things. You've, you've made a list and checked it twice of all the people that's wronged you. All the things that's gone wrong. And you're tired. You don't have any more room to store it. You just want to let it go. I came to let you know this Sunday morning. That you can give it to God. And God will release you from that pain. Brothers and sisters, I... Thank you for joining us this Sunday. And I would like to extend an invitation to anyone that does not have a church home or anyone that heard something in this message that convicts their heart, mind, and spirit. That if you want to reach the other side of healing, first acknowledge your pain. Give your life to Christ if you don't have a relationship with God. And give that pain and trauma to Christ so that He can truly carry that burden and release you from trying to carry it on your own. If at this time you don't have a church home and you're looking for one, New Morning Light Baptist Church is a perfect place that you can call home. We have trustees, deacons, motherboards, family care leaders that would love to bring you into the fold of our family. And you can begin your faith walk and faith journey here. But the first thing you must do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And through doing that, you begin the journey of committing and giving your life to Christ. So brothers and sisters, I pray that each and every one of you take this message and don't let it fall on deaf ears, but hide it in your hearts and share it with your family and friends. So that from this point forward, if there's things you're holding on to, this point forward, if there's things that you haven't discussed that you've let fester, speak to God about it. And through honest communication, Speak to those people that have wronged you about it. And then give it to God. Brothers and sisters, I love you. May God bless you. And I pray that he continues to watch over you and your families. And keep you through the remainder of this week. Remember, the joy I had. The world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away. I am thankful, and you should be thankful. For what God has done. What God is doing. And what God will do. Amen. And God bless you.